0: Good morning, good evening, Matthew Grant here, partner at Instate London, and welcome. Well, this week, I have only a walk on part. Robin Mertens has plugged in and is talking to CEO of Ice InsureTech, Andrew Passfield. Ice InsureTech sits at the intersection of the old and new world technology that is not wine, bringing its experience in building policy administration and claims management systems to drive innovations in areas such as embedded insurance. Now, a special shout out this week to all of you listening to this before 8 a.m., Sunday morning UK time. Well, over 100 of you, according to the stats. Uh, and a particular thank you to Nigel Walsh for his pithy reviews of our podcasts each week. Well, with COVID restrictions lifting here in the UK, we're opening the doors of the Steel Yard again and kicking off our autumn season of events on the 14th of September with our Founders Stories. So if you're planning to be in London then or for our next event on the 11th of October, you can sign up on the website www.instec.london members, corporate members and startups that are less than two years old come free. And with over 130 corporate members now, chances are you might work for one of them. So check out the member section of our website to see if your company is a member and you can get a free ticket. In the meantime, our latest report looking at the 40 companies offering services for ingestion and organisation of data came out this week and is already proving very popular. That's on the report section of the website, currently free for anyone to download. Now over to Robin and Andrew.
1: Hello, everyone, uh, and very warm welcome to this week's InterTech London podcast. Uh, I'm joined uh, today by Andrew Passfield, who's the CEO of Ice Insuretech. Uh, Andrew and I are in fine mood because, at long last, the sun is shining. It feels like summer for the first time in about uh, six weeks. Uh, and, and Andrew, you've come cho- chosen to come to the office to record this. I thought you were going to be, you know, some somewhere sunny on the south coast or somewhere.
2: I have, Robin. Morning to you. Um, yeah, I've come into the office, uh, hopefully, to guarantee my Wi Fi signal uh, more than sharing it uh, with everybody at home.
1: You're the current uh, CEO of, of, of Ice and ShoreTech, and have been for some time. How, how, long, how long have you had that role?
2: I've officially been CEO of Ice and ShoreTech since 2016, running the business uh, on my own. Uh, previously, uh, I founded the business back in 2002 with one other. One other so we very much uh, jointly ran the business together.
1: And has has insurance technology uh, always been your thing? I mean, I, you know, I'm also from an insurance technology background, um, but, but but sort of uh, I think it's a strange choice of career. Was it always what you wanted to do?
2: I've been in the sort of technology side of insurance for a long time. Uh, I actually started working for a direct insurer back in uh, 1983 and worked on the underwriting side for a couple of years, but had a a sort of chance conversation with their IT manager at the time uh, over a game of squash, and uh, he offered me the opportunity to do an aptitude test and and see if I wanted to to join this IT revolution in in insurance, which I did back in uh, 1985.
1: I think back in that that time, there were few developers and plenty of underwriters, and, and it was probably a much better sort of choice of career. Was it was that part of the thinking?
2: Yeah, I think it was. I think it was doing something different. I was young; no one knows what they want to do really when they uh, when they leave school and sort of full time education. Um, so I saw it as an exciting opportunity. It was that long ago; it was actually called data processing department rather than the IT department. So uh, that definitely ages me. But I I sort of got into insurance careers were were sort of tough then, uh, and jobs were tough. Um, but uh, I had a couple of opportunities. One with. General accident as it was then. Uh, I remember being interviewed and and offered a job by a guy who had uh, three foot uh, towers of paper files on his desk and a giant ashtray full of uh, cigarette butts in the middle, which I didn't find particularly appealing. And I had an interview with a, a small direct insurer that had just started, uh, interviewed by their CEO, uh, and we spent 45 minutes talking about uh, my passion and his, or my passions and his, golf and football. Um, and at the end of that, I got offered a job, and that seemed uh, a much better option than, than a desk full of paper files and cigarette butts.
1: Yes, <laughs> If I think about that, uh, I think one thing has changed, which is the cigarette butts. <laughs> but I, the paper files are probably still there. It is funny, isn't it? I, th- I think a lot of people, particularly of our age group, came into the insurance industry because because it was fun, because there was more sort of uh, opportunity to socialise, and there were there were fun people in it. I you know I I wonder whether that's um, still the case, and whether you know whether it is the going to be the case going forward. Um, But before we go too much further, you need to tell us what Ice and Short is and and, and what it provides in terms of services.
2: Yeah, so we're a a software business. We've been around since 2002. We provide a policy administration system and claims management platform predominantly to customers in the UK. We've had some experiences in other territories and we have a number of opportunities at the moment to get us into other territories. I think we're we're growing in popularity at the moment, I think under two aspects really one is a lot of startups uh, choose the ice platform. I think it enables them to go to market much quicker than than perhaps some of the alternatives in the marketplace um, and uh, we try and do it in a in a sort of commercial model that that their success um, is then shared with us. So we're not looking for big upfront license fees. It's very much on a sort of consumption model. And I think the second type of customer is, is some of those sort of niche players. Uh, and, and I'm sure people know a lot of our customers, but um, you know, we've recently put the likes of MCE, uh, the largest motorcycle insurer alive. We've had ERS as a, a very niche um, uh, motor uh, syndicate Lloyd's we've had them as a customer since 2013 uh, and we've enabled those who are on a lot of legacy platforms really to have a, a much more agile and modern platform and move into the digital world
1: is that why that you use the word InsureTech in the company name I you know I've known you as ice for a long time but what, what ice insurtech was that to kind of brand you as a sort of modern cool super <sighs> bit, of, bit of kid
2: yeah I think um you know, we we have got a lot of history um, in terms of uh, insurance market. We actually uh, underwent uh, a change of name in 2017 uh, and under a change of ownership, um, and uh, we needed a new name. Uh, ICE is very much what the products are known for um, and what they're called, and and so we wanted that in the title. Uh, and it just felt appropriate with the time that we're at for, for insuretech, just to try and get the message across that we have this sort of very modern technical platform uh, that will help um, those insurance organisations looking to, to change.
1: And give us some idea of the scale. How, how, how big is the company these, these days?
2: We're based down in Cambly in Surrey. Um, we're about hundred and two, three people at the moment, um, continuing to grow uh, despite the pandemic. We have a couple of offices, one in Malaysia, a small development team over in Malaysia. Um, one of our our long-standing colleagues uh, moved back to Malaysia, and we've built a small team around him uh, about four years ago. And um through our parent company actress, we have uh, capability in Poland, so we're now starting to grow a, a small development team in Poland as well. but most of the staff are based out of the cambly office, although obviously we've been working remotely and, and people
1: continue to work remotely. Are you planning to go back what what's going to be the the rules in the, in, the, in the when it comes to september october?
2: yeah, we're having those discussions with staff at the moment, so we've, we've set a date of the first of september um, we're doing a a sort of trial of a hybrid policy. So we're looking for people to come in a couple of days a week. I think that I can definitely see opportunities that we've we've missed with some of that sort of collaboration. Obviously, uh, we're recording this uh, remotely um, and it's definitely enabled business to continue. But uh, if you come into our office, all of our offices have these sort of painted walls um, that you can write on. And we do a lot of collaboration um, amongst our staff and actually amongst some of our customers as well. Uh, and I can see certain areas in projects that we've lacked that. So we think we'll end up with a hybrid policy of, of a couple of days in the office, a couple of days at home, uh, and uh, we'll start trialling that from the 1st of, uh, of September, trying to limit the numbers and make sure we're still uh, as safe as we can be.
1: Whoever thought we'd miss a whiteboard, you know, or it a whiteboard, correct. you know, uh, but I, I do miss my, do miss my okay. whiteboard. Virtual whiteboards don't do it for me, I'm afraid. Oh, I agree. You mentioned Actris earlier. Where, where did they fit in? Are they now your owners? Did, 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 what's the history? Did they did they come to you? Did you go to them? How did that happen? We've been owned by
2: Actris since uh, November 2017. Um, our previous parent um, had uh, some of its own challenges and uh, had looked to put us up for sale. Um, I'd known David and Theo, the founders of Actris for... For ten years plus, we'd we'd looked at a couple of opportunities to work together. Um, always got on with them. Knew the ice, uh, sorry, knew the actress business uh, pretty well. One of our customers um, had actually gone to work for actress, so he'd sort of quizzed me on David and Theo uh, before he joined them. Uh, so I kind of quizzed him on on whether there would be an appetite with actress, and um, and I have to say throughout the whole buying process, which, which was a bit of an eye-opener for me. Um, they were very consistent. They met all of the dates where, where a lot of other people you know, gave lots of reasons why they were too busy, as if you weren't too busy, um, why they couldn't do this, why they couldn't do that. So, yeah, they were very good through the process. They made us do a, a bit of a sort of proof of concept and, and prototype um, just to uh, prove... Our software worked, um, but actually there was a lot of synergy between us without significant business overlap. And, and I have to say, you know, the relationship's been, been great since.
1: Acturess is a, is a much admired uh, business, but they haven't, they haven't been, uh, and it, but you better be careful how you answer this if you, if you want to pay rise uh, next time. But, but I mean, it, 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 they haven't stifled you in any way. They haven't made you do anything you want to do. You, you've, you've, been, you've been almost separate companies the whole time. Is that how it works?
2: Yeah, they're very um, supportive when we need them, certainly in sort of sales situations and from a sort of corporate side. We're not, as an organization, big on lots of group policies and, you know, buying powers. So they pretty much leave uh, every company to get on with itself. There are a number of companies in the group in in different territories. So we have businesses, uh, sister businesses in Uh, Copenhagen in France, in Germany, and most recently in Canada, as well as the um, actress operation uh, in London. Um, There are definitely areas where we collaborate. So some uh, AI stuff they're doing at the moment, um, they're sharing with us. Uh, We certainly look to Share common platforms. So where there's opportunities to integrate with the price comparison websites, we use common um, common third parties to do that sort of thing and and kind of collaborate there. So, yeah, all in all, I've been um, been very happy. They've they've let me get on with running the business and, and the management team, uh, and I'm pretty sure they're very happy with the results as we've more than uh, doubled in size since uh, since they bought us.
1: Yeah, and they give you a kind of credibility in the space. So I would say that in 2020, one of the deals in the UK that got people really talking and talking about you guys was the John Lewis Munich re-tie-up. Tell us a little bit about that and how it came about.
2: We were very excited to be working with um, John Lewis and uh, that was a deal that um, was partially helped through our relationship with uh, digital partners so back in 2018 we'd implemented uh, a policy system for a business called ticker ticker focused on sort of telematics uh, for young driver or band drivers and and um, increasing their range now with things like electric cars that had been very successfully implemented in about five months and i think we impressed uh, digital partners uh, with our approach with a with our software so they introduced us to john lewis who who were having early conversations about bringing this new connected home proposition to um to market
1: were you the only ones considered by john lewis i mean they walked into you and said it's yours how did it work
2: i think they had uh, been given a, a number of providers um through some consultancy they'd taken on uh with one of the big four consultancy companies and um, they also had a influence from digital partners but actually uh, so so they went through a sort of selection process and a, a, a sort of half day's presentation with a with a number of providers and actually we got rejected um <laughs> in the first instance um, partly i think we we take a very open and honest approach to our sales uh, we told them where we were with our sort of full cycle APIs, they were, they were coming, but they were not there on that day. Um, and so they choose, chose that as a reason to, um, to reject us. So uh, I'm not one to, not one to give up easily Robin. So uh, I, I badgered them. I talked to digital partners um we showed them where we were uh, and kind of what we were doing. And um, we quickly got engaged again after that. And, um, uh, and, and, Within, within a few weeks, they, they'd selected ICE, uh, and we were delighted to go on that journey with them.
1: Well done. It's a lesson for us all in there uh, somewhere. And, and then presumably, having got that and caught a lot of attention with it, you'd like some other deals along those lines. They can really shift the dial, those deals.
2: Yeah, I mean, we'd previously done a deal with the AA. Um, so that was another big name for us in terms of uh, size of customer and and sort of brand that um, ICE could attract, um, John Lewis. Uh, we were very pleased to uh, to win, as I said. And and yes, we're we're continuing to win business. We have three three new policy implementations going live between now and the end of the year. Um, so those will be announced over the next uh, next uh, few months. Um, but I think that goes to show the strength of the sort of ICE brand and the capability we have.
1: We've talked before and, and we've written uh, about this sort of embedded insurance uh trend you know, and and you know the john lewis example is a is a really good one um for, you know for that where you take a strong brand with distribution capability and you add the right insurance tech to be able to sell well what their customers want are there other trends that you divine that you think uh hold a good opportunity for you
2: I think if you look at uh, where we're winning business now and and those organisations that are coming to us, um, we're seeing a lot more sort of technical savvy MGAs, if you like, coming to us, um, wanting more of a core platform. So previously where people had perhaps tried to build core platforms, um, some, some successfully and some less successfully, We're now seeing people wanting to sort of focus on those elements that add real value to the business. So it might be sort of AI decision-making, it might be their own rating engine, it might be controlling their own customer journeys and the messaging, but actually what they want is a a core policy administration system or claim system, Um, and that's where we're seeing a a lot of success now. So a lot of sort of tech-savvy organisations coming out to the market, and you know, there's a number um, being talked about in um, in in the likes of Post Magazine, you see those um, organisations that uh, are just trying to do something a little bit different in the organisation, but fundamentally they've still got to transact uh, insurance. And I don't think, you know, whilst our software um, gives them the opportunity to embed their intellectual property and their their unique processing, you know, fundamentally transacting an insurance. And policy and collecting premium, there's nothing unique about that. The unique piece comes in that customer journey.
1: I'm convinced that the best opportunities in insure tech to create value and to make money right now are in the space of which we call tech-enabled MGAs. These MGAs moving in with a greenfield site to build a technology that just about does everything between the customer and the capacity, and you can see from the sort of valuations that are uh, and bought by many, and others are getting that that uh, that view is shared by investors. And it must follow as night follows day that those who can provide the technology, you know, have a big opportunity too. I think it's a really good space to be in. We definitely see that gone are the days when these businesses can afford
2: long startup times, and uh, you know, and they want to work with businesses that are. Are aligned with them, share their business success, uh, or or if it doesn't work so well, then then obviously share some of that pain, um, but can get them to market very quickly, and I think that's one of our unique selling points.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm tried and tested. Um, so so when you're not um selling uh, uh, um technology and and telling John Lewis that they've got their procurement process wrong, what what is it that you do? I'd never do that,
2: but um, yeah, when I'm not working, um, all my colleagues and, and, and people that know me will say uh, I'm often to be found on the golf course, uh, which has been particularly difficult in the wet weather over the last few weeks. So I'm always, I'm always uh, playing a lot of golf, but actually I've got a new passion, uh, one that I resisted for a few years uh, because I felt it was an omission of getting old, um, but I've taken up walking football. I went to one session convinced by a friend to, to go and just try it. And I said, fine, I'll try it. And uh, if, um, if that's it, you'll stop nagging me. And I was hooked on one session. So uh, so I'm there every Monday and Thursday evenings, part of a bunch of over 50s um, that, uh, that play football.
1: I saw a Barclays ad about Barclays card ad a few years ago about how, and there are lots of men what our age wandering around, you know, kicking a football. Is that what, is that what the game is? Walking football.
2: Correct. You're right. So it was a Barclays advert. uh, And actually the team I play for uh, is the team that was in that Barclays advert. No. Um, And uh, yeah, we really enjoy um, getting together. Uh, There's a lot of camaraderie amongst uh, uh, people that age and, um, I'm a big Arsenal fan, I, I, I fear to say, on this uh, podcast. Um, but we're now in a, a mini tournament on the 19th of September and I'm playing against Arsenal walking football team. So, um, so it just shows you what, what comes around even at, at late on in life.
1: Oh, I feel a social media post coming on. What are you doing this weekend? I'm, I'm playing against Arsenal. And is this a uniquely UK thing or are, are the people doing it in other countries? Could know, can you, can you have a World Cup or something?
2: Yeah, no, there's um, there's a lot of uh, a lot of interest in this across the world. So uh, the team I play with um, do tours to Italy and Spain. I haven't been on one yet because uh, I've joined during the pandemic. But um, I think
1: I've got my name penciled in for uh, next year. It's fab. I should say for those of our because we have quite a few uh, American uh, listeners that this football we're talking about is not your football. Uh, it's soccer. Uh, because I I imagine a game of walking American football, as we would call it, would be a fundamentally different game. Anyway, um, look, I feel as if there's a chance to um, come to some kind of sponsorship arrangement here. I think um, next year, the InsurTech Walking Football League for men of a certain age uh, is something we should go and work on. And ladies. So there is walking ladies football as well. Well, now we're talking about the Olympics. I thought the Olympics and, mixed, and the mixed relays, um, you know, was an absolute revelation and, and they, they can't get enough of that kind of stuff. You told a story earlier which resonated with me, which is you came into the industry because you had sort of shared passions with the people who were, you know, running the company and, and you you thought it would be fun. This is something that, that people like you and I who sometimes advise others who, about whether they want to come into the industry have to think about now you know, would you advise people to be coming into the insurance industry now? What What is it that um, would make the insurance industry attractive? Do you still encourage people in?
2: Yeah, I mean, I talk very passionately about insurance. I haven't really known um, uh, too much else. Um, I think there's a lot of excitement and innovation around the industry and the speed of change compared to, to when you and I entered insurance is, um, is so much faster these days. We very much... Uh, Undertaken a sort of graduate training program within ICE. It's, it's something that actuaries are very passionate about and, and take on in the order of, forty or fifty graduates a year. Um, we've taken on uh, about forty in the last uh, three years. Um, so we're definitely encouraging people into sort of technology and um, and insurance. Um, but I think it's I think it's a very exciting time to to be in what is a traditional and long standing industry. Um, but uh, there's a lot of dynamism in there now, and um, you know, there's never a job for life these days. But the digital journey, um, insurance is on, provides some some fantastic opportunities. And yeah, I'd in, encourage um, people into into insurance and and try and make a difference. You know, I joined a I joined a company that was two and a half years old, had about 20 people when I joined it. I'd never heard of it. Um, it predated the likes of Direct Line in the in the sort of um, direct insurance explosion in the in the sort of mid to late 80s, um, and, and it was a great learning. I got to see lots of different things, and, um, and I haven't looked back in my career since.
1: So you were early into kind of insurance technology and, and could see a digital future. It's been my passion for 20 years. Are we going to get it over the line this time? I I mean, I feel like you that there's more change, and the change is happening faster than it ever has done before, and the kind of rearguard action fought by the analogs is getting sort of weaker and weaker. Um, But but are we? You know, are we? do, Do you feel that this will be a digital world? That we will have a truly digital insurance world in in three or five years' time? I do. Yes,
2: I definitely see things out there in the marketplace where. You know, those analogues are still there and people are still sending renewals out by email and they kind of don't get there. Um, that's not digital. Um, but equally, talking to one of our customers who who a couple of weeks ago launched um, renewals in their app, um, enabled by our sort of APIs in in the application, they've seen 54% take up within the first two weeks um so you know that eliminates um call centers that eliminates staff that's allowing them just to to renew automatically uh within their app and um uh, if they can get to 54 percent within within two weeks i think they'll get a lot higher and uh you know that's that's very important for them retaining business and obviously with all of the changes that are going on around the sort of fca and and fair pricing and renewals then um you know it's it's good that uh, businesses are starting to see the the Im- impact that digital can make for them.
1: Uh, I agree. It's it feels more, I'm more enthusiastic about all this than I have been at any other stage in the last um, 20 years. So, 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 so look, uh, uh, it's great to have ICE and Tech in in our uh, community. You know, you are exactly why this was created uh, in the first place. You know, you 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 build the right. To the tech that makes all this happen and 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 you talk the talk um you have now a unique opportunity to, to give a little message to our community um at the end of all this is there anything you'd like to say
2: well first of all i think uh you know thank you for for what you've put into instech and um you know we're very happy to be members we're definitely looking forward to coming back to the steel yard and, and those evenings that we've all missed over the last uh 18 months or so so um, so we'll be along and supporting in September I think uh, if I was to leave people with one message going back to to something like this John Lewis example um, it's follow your dreams and and don't give up at the first hurdle um, as they say what doesn't uh, kill you makes you stronger and that definitely applies in in business so you know follow those dreams and um and uh it can be a very exciting world, the, uh, the digital future that uh, is, is what insurance is.
1: Well done, you. That's a very um, powerful and, and uh, message which you yourself have lived and showed the benefits of the wisdom of. Look, it's been a genuine pleasure. I, I, I'm going to see you um, on September 14th, which is the, the next uh, Steel Yard event. We're going to have a, a little session around uh, updating uh, ourselves on some of our old friends who've been with us a few years and who are moving fast, and we're going to go back to our roots by having a few very early-stage companies pitch. Uh, and then um, I'm terribly taken with the walking football idea. Uh, I, I, I think, you know, we, we should work on, a, on sponsoring a league and, and, and I'll be back to you. I'll drop you a line after this, Andrew. Enjoy the rest of the summer and, and uh, very much look forward to seeing you in September. Thank you. Hey, Robin, thank you for your time.
0: Well, it's a pleasant change to be in the audience again. And talking of audiences, we've got over 20,000 people now around the world listening to the podcast, reading our newsletters, reading our reports and joining us for events. So if you're an insurer and you want us to come and talk to you directly about what we're seeing in the world of innovation or you're a technology company looking for help in spreading your stories around the world and, of course, finding your clients, then Corporate membership might be for you you can contact Robin Mertens or myself Matthew Grant on LinkedIn or any of us hello at instec.london